Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church, located in Kernersville, North Carolina. Look at verse 28 of John chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading there. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He. Let me stop right there and let me know what what Jesus is saying. He says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am He. And uh, what He's talking about here is the crucifixion. When you lift me up, then you'll know that I am He. Find it interesting, He says, You'll lift me up, the Son of Man... But he conquers as the Son of God. And it's amazing here in verse 28, he says, You might not realize it now, but you will, that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. Verse 28, But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. Everybody ought to say amen right there. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. And he spake these words, excuse me, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what, church? Free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free, what? Indeed. All God's people said. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, as we uh, Lord, go through this passage quickly, Lord, I pray that you would do a work in hearts as only you can do. And Lord, I want to thank you for the freedom you've given us that have placed our faith and trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen. I, I find this passage is almost a little bit divided in two different areas. And I want to look at it. First, I see ministry. And second, I see discipleship. Now, by the way, we believe here that everybody ought to be in ministry. Ministry is not just set aside for those that do it full-time. Now, I am your full-time pastor, and so I am what you, what you call full-time ministry. But ministry is, is to be, I guess, participated in by everybody that claims the name of Christ. Everybody ought to be reaching people. Everybody is in ministry. And it's amazing here in the first part of the passage, we're told about Jesus' ministry and how the Father relates to Him in ministry. And how God relates to the Son in ministry is the same way He relates to you and me in ministry. Let me just show you. This is a freebie, I guess, a little bit on the side. Notice, if you would, in verse 28, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye had lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of Myself. Notice this, But as My Father hath taught Me. I notice first God's preparation. You know how you and I minister to people? We simply tell them what God the Father has taught us. How does God teach us, preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
there's a real good start. Also, when we sit and we listen to the man of God preach and teach what God has laid on his heart through the man of God, that's how we're taught from the Father. The Holy Spirit takes those utterings from the Father, tells it to us. He takes the utterings from us and takes it to the Father. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we learn what God the Father has to say. So we see God's preparation. It's what Jesus said. This is what God the Father has taught me. Notice second, we see God's plan. Notice this. He says, But as the Father hath taught me, I speak these things, and he that sent me. That means this is the plan. God sends you. Just like God sent the Son, God sends you. God sends all of you. If you've been saved, God is sending you to do something for him. That's how it works. You know, that's God's plan is for each of us that have been saved to do something for him. That's his plan. Even Jesus said, he sent me. You say, well, Jesus is God. Yes, he is. And the Holy Spirit's God. Yes, he is. But they all have three different ministries. And Jesus said, the Father sent me. That's how ministry goes. God sends you. You say, why is that so important, preacher? Because if God sends you, he would never send you and not give you what you need to do it. If I send you, I don't have resources to help you. But if God sends you, he will fund the entire trip. All right. Third, notice this, I see God's presence. He says this, verse 29, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Let me tell you something great about once you get saved and you decide I'm going to do something for God, he that sent you is with you and he has not left you alone. That means whatever God's called you to do, folks, you're not by yourself. Family might forsake you. We've had you know, testimonies of people. My own dad, when my dad got saved and went to Bible college, his family had nothing to do with him. You might have family forsake you, and, and you might have friends forsake you and different things, but when you follow what God wants you to do, He will not leave you alone. That's the wonderful thing about serving God. You're not on your own. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price, and you're not on your own because He's always with you. That's great. Notice this next. I see God's preaching. Excuse me, God's pleasure. Look at God's presence. He that sent me is with me. Notice this. The Father hath not let me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. We see God's pleasure. What is God's pleasure as you serve Him? For you to do only those things that please Him. That's why everything, every ministry of this church, from music that we have here and different things, and we're always trying to get better, we're still working to get better, and we're going to keep trying to get better, and all those things. But we got to make sure that our music here is music that pleases Him. Not us. It's not about us. It's not about what pleases us. Everything in our life, God says, my pleasure is for you to please me. Notice, if you will, next. For I do always those things that please him, verse 30, and as he spake these words, many believed on him. Notice these two things. As he spake these words, that's God's preaching, many believed him, that's God's power. God has always used preaching to reach people. By the way, you're sitting at a grocery store and uh, you run across somebody and you give them a track. You say, hey, I want to invite you to our church sometime. 
And they look at that track and they say, oh, where's this church at? And you kind of say, and it opens up a conversation. You say, well, it's in Kernersville, North Carolina. Do you go to church anywhere? Well, no, I, I don't go right now. Well, we would love to invite you. I, I mean, you, you know, we have all these different ministries and different things. We, and we've got Sunday school class that, that you could fit. Right in. Let me ask you a question. Have you, ever, have you ever trusted the Lord as your Savior? Have you ever been saved? And, and they say, well, I don't know what you mean. And as you begin to walk you through that, you know what that is? That is preaching. You don't have to be behind here to preach. What is the whole thing? The God the Father taught the Son what to say. God the Son said it. That's preaching. That's ministry with people. Whatever God tells you and teaches you, you tell others. And when you tell others, it's up to God's power for them to receive. You don't save them, you just tell them. And many believed on him. Why? Because of the power of God. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The, am I the only one that's excited about this? Everything about ministry you want is right there in those three verses. That's exactly how God does it. God prepares. God has the plan. He gives you his presence. It's all about his pleasure. You do the preaching. His power does the saving. It's all there. But that's not what I'm preaching on this morning. <laughs> Let's look at verse 31. Now we see about discipleship. Once you're saved. Now we're told this is how you go out and serve God, reach people. But now once you're saved, notice if you would, verse 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So we see first step in discipleship. You say, well, why are you talking about discipleship, preacher? Notice if you would the end of verse 31. Then are ye my disciples indeed. So, that means if I'm going to be a real disciple of Jesus, he just told me what I'm going to have to do. So, I want to find out what it takes to be a real disciple for Jesus. Don't you? Don't you want to be a disciple for him? Now, what does he say? Look at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. That means first step in becoming a disciple is this. Number one, there's believing on his word. That's salvation. That's the fact of, hey, I believe what God's Word says, and now I am going to apply it to my life. I'm going to put my faith in trust. Remember what, remember what we're taught in John? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when you put your faith in God's Word, you're putting your faith in God. When you put your faith in God, you're putting your faith in God's Word. The two are inseparable. The both are the same. And so I'm putting my faith and my trust in what God's Word says, so I am going to believe on His Word. And dear friend, you can't get saved if you don't believe what this Bible has to say. If you want to say, we well, you know what, I want to go to heaven and I want to get saved, but I don't necessarily believe what this Bible has to say. Well, we got a problem. Because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you've got to have to believe His Word to put your faith and trust in God. Okay, so there's believing on his word. And dear friend, I asked this morning, do you believe what this Bible has to say? If, you, if you've tried to witness or work with people, I'm going to tell you something. One of the hardest things sometimes is just to, to get to the fact, and, and you would save yourself a whole lot of time. There's been times I've talked with people, I mean, it's gone on and on, and I just had to stop and I said, well, let me ask you something. Do you believe this Bible or not? Well, if you don't, then we're wasting our time. Until you can believe what this has to say, I can't help you. 
Because if you want an, and I'm not trying to criticize, if you want an Oprah or Dr. Phil-like maneuvering mental exercise to make you feel like you're, well, that's not going to work. You've got to base things on the Bible for salvation. And if you don't believe this, listen, when you're dealing with people, if they don't believe this, you're not going to get far. But when you get a person that really honestly, sincerely believes what the Bible has to say, now you've got somewhere. Okay, so first step is believing on his word. But notice this secondly, okay, if I'm going to be a disciple, first I've got to be saved. That only makes sense. All right, I've got to be saved to be his disciple. I've got to put my faith and trust in him for me to serve him, okay? But notice this second. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, Now, if ye continue, that word continue means to build. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Wait a minute. So that means you can get saved, put your faith and trust in Christ, but that makes you saved. It might not necessarily make you a disciple. If you and I are going to become a disciple, you know what we have to do? Not only do we believe on His Word, but second, we've got to build in His Word. That means now I've got to get the Bible and I've got to get in. And this word that I believe, I put my faith and trust in Christ. Now God says, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to get in this word, study this word, learn this word, apply it to your life. You've got to build a foundation in your life through God's word. You say, preacher, why? I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. So you and I are not really his disciple if we've not continued in his word. If you've been saved by the grace of God, praise the Lord, you are on your way to heaven according to what Jesus did for you, not according to what you've done for him. You've been saved by the grace of God, by grace through faith. You know, uh, the best righteousness we could do is filthy rags in the sight of God. There's nothing we could do to earn it or, or, or buy it or anything else. All the money couldn't do it. All the character in the world couldn't earn it. It's through grace and it's only because Jesus died for you. We know that. But if you've been saved and you do not continue in God's word, you're not a disciple yet. But if you get saved and then you continue in his word, Jesus says, then ye are my disciple. So there's believing on his word. There's building in his word. But I want you to notice thirdly, there's boldness with his word. Now look at verse 32. This is important. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Wait a minute. Everybody, i got to wake you up. When, every time I do that, someone's like, what? <laughs> and those, that, they get mad when you wake them up. The people get mad. You know when you're taking a nap, somebody like a dog jumps up on you or something? And, uh, by the way, I was going to show a screen of like my little dog laying on me, sleeping, me petting him, just to let you know I'm an animal lover. It was, it was all jokes. It was all fun and games. I have taken, I've, I've had people send me pictures of their animals and said, oh, thank God they're not around you. You know, I, you know literally, it was a joke. I'm picking with Pat up there. I, I'm, just, I'm just a joke. We always, I'm going to let you see my animals and my dogs. You know, I, we've got like a little zoo at our house. It's wonderful. Anyway, <laughs> but when you're napping and a dog jumps up on you or something, anybody ever get woken up from a nap and you're just like, oh, thank you so much. Isn't it wonderful? No. And when you're sleeping in church, and I'm, by the way, do you mind if I sleep in church preaching? No, I really don't mind. I'm glad you're here. We got people that work hard. I'd rather you sleep here than sleep at home. I appreciate you being here. 
But there's times that I like, you know, when you like clap a hand, like, and you can just tell they're, they're getting mad, real mad. So I didn't mean to wake you up and make you angry, but listen to me. I want you to get this. I am alienating everybody here, isn't I? Listen to me. What is the passage? What is the context? He is speaking to those Jews that have already believed. And then two verses later, he says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They've already believed. So when we talk about freedom here, we're talking about a different type of freedom. We're not talking about freedom from hell. They've already been saved. They've already believed. We're talking about a different kind of freedom. Dear friend, you know why it's important once we believe on his word to build in his word? You know why it's important so that you can be bold with his word? When you get into God's word and you find the truth of God's word, you don't have to be confused anymore. That truth sets you free. It doesn't matter who says what, who thinks what. You can turn on the TV and you can find a thousand different people saying a thousand different things. But if you will quit listening and start reading and start digging, you'll find that the truth will set you free. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Let me explain it this way now. And, and, and watch the screen to make sure you understand, okay? When you believe on his word, that's salvation... God frees you from the penalty of sin. For the wages of sin is what? Death. So when you put your faith and trust, when you believe on his word, you put your faith and trust in Christ, that frees you from the penalty of sin, which is death. But when you begin to build in his word, when you begin to read it and apply it and study it and, 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 and let this start controlling and directing your life, then that frees you from the preeminence of sin. Now you say, preacher, I don't understand. Now if you don't want to turn to it, you've got to listen to me though. I would recommend if you don't mind, turn to it. We're almost done. Romans chapter 6. If you don't mind, you need to turn. You need to see this, okay? Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. While I still hear leaves turning, I'm going to wait. Sounds like fall, doesn't it? Leaves turning. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Now you've got to get this. I know this is kind of deep for a Sunday morning. Romans chapter 6, look at verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign or have preeminence in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Okay, talking to saved people, even saved people, sin can reign in their life. Sin can control them. The Holy Spirit should be. So he's saying this, that you know what, once you've been saved, you've got to make sure that you don't let sin reign. That means like a king would reign. You can't let sin reign in your mortal body. Sin cannot reign in your soul if you've been saved. Because the Holy Spirit moved in, Jesus saved your soul, Satan can't get at your soul anymore. The only thing he can get at is your body and your mind. 
And he can start, hey, you know, he can make you do all kinds of things. And man, he, he has created havoc in people. And that's why a person that has been saved by the grace of God can end up doing things that they're absolutely despicable. And you say, how could a person do that? I'll tell you how, because they let sin reign. So when you believe on his word, that takes care of the penalty of sin, which is death. Now you don't have to die. You got an eternity with the Father. All God's people said. But why it's important for you to begin building is because you want to be free from the preeminence of sin. Look at me. The more you let this control you, the less power sin will have over your life. The more you get God's Word in, the more time you put God's Word in your mind, the less time sin goes in. And that means this, the more you build, the less preeminent sin has. But when you then have boldness with God's Word, when you get God's Word in you and you find that truth, and that truth makes you free, listen to me, that frees you from the power of sin. You got it. Now, when I get saved... By the grace of God, I am free from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin was death, but if I've been saved by the grace of God, I don't have to see death now. Thank God. But if I begin to build in God's Word and and apply myself to God's Word, that will free me from the preeminence of sin. That means it's not going to rain. It's not going to be the most important thing in my life. That's not going to be the priority of my life anymore. Look at me, folks. But the more you dig, the more truth you're going to find. And the more truth you find, that truth will set you free. And the more truth you have from God's Word, then that frees you from the power of sin in your life. And sin still has power, by the way. Now, the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But that word greater means that he that is in the world has power too. But God has more power. Now, you say, preacher, I don't understand. Look at Romans chapter 6 that we looked at. You say, what do you mean free from the preeminence of sin, preacher, when you get in God's word? What does the Bible say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That means this, sin won't be preeminent because God's word lights up the path. God's word is a light So now sin doesn't reign anymore. God's word does. Notice in chapter 6, verse 13 of Romans, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Listen to this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. That's the power of sin. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The more you get in God's word, the more power that gives you over sin. Dear friend, if we're going to be disciples, we believe on his word to be freed from the penalty. We, we, We build in his word to free us from the preeminence. But when we get that truth, that truth sets us free from the power of sin. That's why when Satan starts to tempt and Satan starts to put things in your mind, you immediately bring God's word into the picture and that frees you from the power of sin. That's discipleship, folks. That's what the Bible has to say about it. But let me tell you the best part of the whole passage and we'll go home. Look at verse 33. They answered him. Now, I would think after all that Jesus just said, they ought to be like, wow, this is great. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? They're like, what do you mean free? The truth shall make us free. Hey, we've always been free. We're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to anybody. Jesus says, look at verse 34, Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin 
is the servant of sin. Interesting principle from God's Word. What Jesus Himself just said is that one sin makes you the servant to sin. All it takes is one sin for you to be a sinner. How many times you got to steal to be a thief? Once. This is interesting because a lot of people say, hey, preacher, you know, we, we, we don't need to preach on things, you know, some things. What's the big deal? Because one sin makes you the servant to it. Why do you think there's some things where, hey, you better stay away from, don't even, don't even take that drink, don't even, do, don't even go that route. And like, well, what's the big, because one makes you the servant. It's a principle of God's word. Jesus himself said it. So what does it mean? All of a sudden they say, hey, we've never been in bondage to anybody. And Jesus says, hey, yeah, you have. It only takes one sin to be the servant to sin. Have you, and without saying it, he's saying, have you ever sinned? And I'm sure they would have to say, honestly, yeah. I would ask you the same question. Have you ever committed a sin here? If there's anybody that has never committed a sin, I would love to meet you. But let's meet in the back. Because I don't want to embarrass you. And I don't want to ruin your record. So preacher, what is he saying? Notice what he says in verse 35. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Which means this. If the son therefore shall make ye free, ye shall be free indeed. Look up here at me now. This is a doctrine of God's word. I don't know if you've ever noticed. Now you might think, this preacher, this is more like a Wednesday night than a Sunday morning. Hey, I'm just doing what God told me to do, okay? I'm, I'm just going to give it to you. This is what God told me to preach on this morning. I know it's kind of, woo, a lot of things going on. But listen to me. The reason you and I are free indeed, that word indeed means emphatically, without a doubt, completely. In other words, no chance of it being any other thing. You are free indeed when the Son sets you free. Why? Because of the verse before, the Son abideth ever. Now look at me. Do you know if Jesus, who we believe is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God right now, ready to return for his bride? Ready. You say, when's Jesus coming back? Only God the Father knows, the Bible says. Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming back. God the Father knows. Jesus is ready to come back for his bride. Now you say, well, preacher, I don't, I don't fully understand. What are you saying? Look, at, if anything ever happened to Jesus and he died you and I would too. Do you realize if Jesus, if anything ever happened and he died, we wouldn't have redemption? The only reason you and I are free indeed is because the Son abideth forever. And that means this, I hate to break it to you, the only way you and I are going to have eternal redemption is if nothing happens to Jesus. Let's keep the fingers crossed this morning, folks. Hey, we are covered as long as Jesus is alive. But if anything ever happens to him, we're stuck. And here's the best thing about it. Nothing can happen to Jesus because he's more powerful and more greater than anything on earth, anything in the, in the world, anything in the universe, anything that's ever been created. Jesus abideth forever. And as long as he's alive, you'll be alive. You know why? Because you and I are in Christ. Amen. 
We're in him. As long as he's alive, we're alive. He dies, we die. We go down with him or we remain forever with him. You ever try to really think about what it's going to be like to live in heaven forever? Your mind cannot fathom. Let me tell you where my mind almost explodes when I think about the fact, literally the Bible teaches that Jesus has always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There was never a beginning to God. You try to wrap your brain around that. That there was never a time that he started. Because in our human minds, you, you have to have a start to something. If we said he's been around for a billion years, we could, get, we could wrap our arms around that. But the fact that there, Jesus never started, God never started, he's always been. But the fact that when you and I, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, when you and I get to heaven, look at me, we will live with him forever. Now look at me. If I gave you a toothbrush, some of you need it. If I gave you a toothbrush... Some of us need it. If I give you a toothbrush and I said, all right, I want you to scrub on this church building till the entire building, basement, block, everything is disintegrated. I'm going to give you a toothbrush and I want you just to start scrubbing on the bricks and the glass and the pulpit and the sound system and the, and the chandeliers from top to bottom. I'm going to give you this toothbrush and I want you to scrub. All you can do is scrub with this toothbrush. You can't kick, you can't hit. Just scrub with this toothbrush and I want you to scrub on this building till this entire building has disintegrated. How long would that take? I have absolutely no idea. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kerwin Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at KerwinBaptistChurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin broadcast today. God bless you.